Newcastle hates gold. I am Elamon Carley. You are in for one of the biggest treats you've ever had in your life. I'm not talking about Rice Krispie treats. I'm talking about an intellectual feast for your mind that is sweet AF. Now, a lot of people have been asking me, Mark, you're fantastic on this podcast just by yourself. Have you ever thought about having a guest in the long form where you don't do your podcast and then sneak in a guest at the end just to have a little five-minute segment on something that is relegated to a subsection of the podcast that would be a chapter in the YouTube video if we did chapters on the videos and maybe that's something we can work on for the future? The answer is yes. I've thought about this and come to the conclusion that I, in the future, very near future, in fact, we'll be having guests. So, wanted to bring that up right up front so we can talk about the kinds of guests that I want to have on. Now, sure, I have so many friends, so many acquaintances, so many people begging me to get on the podcast daily. Mark, please let me on. That's just a solo podcast. But if the format ever changes due to high demand, maybe I'll sneak you in. In all seriousness, I do have some ideas for people who I'd like to have on. Some people I've talked to before about coming on. Uh, Grego Gallagher, Kinobody, guys who I've talked to in real life. I think he has a lot of interesting things to say, not only about fitness, but also about you know, uh, psychology, about business, about self-improvement. Those are kind of the people, you know, it doesn't have to be just fitness related. Of course, I'd like to talk to some people who I admire in the realm of fitness, biohacking, uh, different things like that. So I think of uh, Leo Rex from Leo and Longevity, Vigorous Steve, um, who I've communicated with a little bit also, um, lives out in Thailand, and just guys like that who have a tremendous wealth of information on the topics relevant to this podcast. Uh, also guys who I haven't talked with like Juji Mufu, who just seemed to have, uh, you know, I like his energy, I like his approach to fitness, I like that he makes this fun because ultimately that's kind of what I think about this podcast is having fun, relating it to fitness, making this a fun environment and a fun thing to think about going to the gym and getting active and not seeing it as a punishment. And that's always a running theme in this podcast. And when I approach, you know, people to, or they approach me and we have a conversation about, you know, how to get themselves out of a slump, it usually revolves around how to have a more positive outlook on fitness long-term. So a guy like that kind of fits that bill. Or, uh, you know, Eric uh, Bugenhagen, Rick the Stick, he's a WWE guy right now, but he came up as a Division One wrestler at Wisconsin and was a strength and conditioning coach and also, you know, tremendous amount of information as far as how to program, how to lift. He's extremely strong. He's an all-natural, a lot of cool things, but also just as a guy who has fun with it, doesn't take himself too seriously, and I think that comes across in his social media. So that's the the general approach I'd be taking. Other guys like Greg Doucette or Jeff Nippert or these big names who I think, you know, they provide high-quality information and a lot of people relate to their mindset. And, you know, again, the kinds of guests I'd like to have. I'd like to have more interesting interviews than just stuff that they put out before, like tell me about working out the nuts and bolts, the X's and O's, because you can already get that kind of content from their page in most cases. So I'd like to expand that conversation and try to get at the underpinnings of, you know, how they approach fitness and how they uh, build psychological resilience, you know, uh, how they kind of treat recreational drug use, if any, uh, like we talk about with, with psychedelics, um, you know, things like 
how they keep themselves motivated and how to manage their time. That's one that I really need uh, personally, you know, so it's a private convo that I'm going to share with you. Um, how do you build a YouTube page from the ground up and become a millionaire using clickbait titles? Now, I don't want to know that, but some people are good at that. So I wanted to, before we get into some other sections, I'll just ask you this. If you want to see anybody specifically, put it in the comments, give me some ideas, maybe even people that I've mentioned, if that's really exciting to you, you can be like, hey, put this person on, then we'll be so freaking thank and the cat on your toe. Huh. What do we have next? You know, the Amber Heard trial, so you've been keeping up with all the aftermath too because we, we established that you were really into it during the trial, right? I'm over it, dude. Yeah, okay, yeah, totally over it. Wink. So, in her first interview since the trial, this clip has been going around totally viral, but it's, you know, I'm, not, I'm just gonna do an imitation of what she says because the, girl, the, the interviewer asked her, <laughs> all her interviews since the trial have been totally disastrous and she's been trying to blame Johnny Depp for everything and saying, you know, the, the jury was totally tainted by how good of an actor he is and how popular he is and, you know, because of his, his character and Pirates of the Caribbean, that's really why they gave him the favorable verdict and, uh, you know, Jack Sparrow is who they're looking at and because of that, she's uh, guilty of defamation apparently in her mind. One of the funniest quotes from the interview that she gave her first time speaking out publicly on TV since the trial, she goes, um, in response to a question that said essentially, Depp's lawyers accused you of giving the performance of a lifetime. You know, this is in the context of calling her out for her lies and saying, a lot of people said you weren't telling the truth up there. So you keep insisting that you haven't, but you know, you're laying all the evidence out and the jury said you were lying and, and Depp's Lawyers said afterwards, you gave the performance of a lifetime. And she looks perplexed and goes, uh, says the lawyers for the guy who convinced the world he had scissors for fingers? <laughs> and she says it in all seriousness, like that's a devastating rebuttal, as if the world was under the impression that Johnny Depp literally had scissors for fingers. Um, and I just want to point out the condescension inherent in that comment, because I think there are so many things that people get away with in using manipulative language and it swaps one thing out for the other and implies one thing, you know, as if it's a factual reality that everyone in the world believed that Johnny Depp literally had fingers that were scissors in real life. And this wasn't fictional. He was playing a character that also happened to have scissors for fingers, but Johnny Depp in real life was born with scissor fingers and uh, must have had them surgically removed if they're not there anymore. But I wanted to examine and talk about how people like that, manipulative people, will swap one thing out for the other and say something that's not true, but in order for you to rebut it, you have to go, wait, he, there's a small little thing. He, he gave a convincing performance in the context of a movie, but instead of saying that, you're saying he convinced the world, right? He gave a convincing performance in a you know, piece of cinema, but that doesn't mean the same thing as convincing the world that he had scissors for his fingers, right? So I think even in that moment, you know, you can see this pattern of man manipulative speaking, and I just encourage everybody to think about that as they approach the world and anybody saying things to you that like 
they sound ridiculous, examine the grammar of that sentence and say, is there anything that's imprecise about that? Is there anything that's off? Is there anything that isn't actually true, even though you're presenting it as some sort of fact, that it sort of, it lands like an effective rebuttal, but in reality, it's not. Let's just jump to Liver King Meme of the Week, okay? Yeah. Can we do it? Okay, let's take a look at this. Out. I always want to know if all this business about the affection quota is true or false. Well, I brought you Liver Queen. The affection you quota. In your own words. Of course it's true. And if you don't do it, you should. And then he pans to the... Uh, the hand-holding, so I guess this is a, must be an inside joke or something that uh, I don't know about with the holding of hands. But she looks like she's reading off a teleprompter for a one-sentence statement, which is fine. Never, not everyone's a performer, but uh, okay. Now, if you've made it this far, you might be wondering, Mark, did you take your Kratom today? Uh, you bet your bottom dollar I did. Now, you might also be wondering... Did you veer from the path? Did you go somewhere other than happyhippoherbals.com? Well, I can proudly say that no, I have not. I've stayed consistent, I've stayed loyal, and I'm using the brand that I like because of the delivery mechanism variety. Whether you want powders, whether you want a shot, whether you want a convenient pill that you can keep in your pocket and hide from anybody who you don't want knowing your secret to mental acuity, it's happyhippoherbals.com. And if you go there right now and use promo code THICKBOY with three C's, you'll get 20% off. And that's not just me blowing smoke up your butt. That's me promising you that it's a fact. You will get that amount off and you will also get that amount off for the rest of your life if you keep using the same promo code. So would you help a brother out and type that in just to let them know like, oh yeah, I'm getting the message. This is the place to go for the Kratom. You know, some people have been asking me recently, Mark, when you wear your oak and stone clothing, is it something you can exclusively pair with jeans and boots or nice pants when you're going out to dinner or a date or, you know, maybe giving a TED talk in front of thousands of adoring fans? Well, no, that's not the case. You see, it's summertime. And here I have on the gray short sleeve button up. It fits these pythons perfectly, size XL. Chances are it's going to fit you too. Whatever you think your size is, Go ahead, order it. If it doesn't fit, send it back, get a new one. But what do I have on underneath this table? Well, that's the question of the day, isn't it? And I'm here to reveal to you that I, in fact, have shorts on. <gasps> and guess what? They pair perfectly. I have a nice little summer outfit. And I will tell you something honestly right now. When I go on flights nowadays, I think about what I wear because I get hot on planes. Every single time I fly now, I wear my oak and stone because it, in fact, is the most breathable stuff that I own. It doesn't seem that way because it's very sturdy. The fabric is really nice and it feels thick. It doesn't feel like you could rip it, you know, like something from H&M. But when it comes to actually feeling comfortable and not overheating you, I guess that's a testament to the quality because I feel, you know, I feel totally breathable, right? It's thick, it's gray. Mark, that must be a winter shirt. Nuh-uh, because I'm in the sun in California right now in June, pairing it with some tight little shorts, and I'm feeling amazing. And you will too. Use code HELLA at checkout for 10% off. I'm getting word that some people are going, they can see that you're using my link, but then they see you're not using the checkout? Oh, I guess you don't like money. Okay, no, that's cool. Just if you like 
money and saving money on things, use code HELLA, H-E-L-L-A, for 10% off. Or pay full price. The choice is yours. Maybe you like giving money to Oak and Stone, and I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But at least check out the website, you know? Say what's up to Ricardo. You know what? Let's go back to Supful. I have some stuff I need to address. Now, in the last few episodes, there was quite a controversy stirred by me making the claim that I would give somebody's public details uh, or I would make public somebody's uh, life details, such as name, address, et cetera, workplace. Now, apparently some people out there really didn't like that. And, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, I was speaking about it in the context of the top, one of the top posters on Reddit, uh, you know, which is a hate subreddit for the fighter and the kids specifically on that Reddit, right? So however many thousands of comments, however many hundreds of posts over the course of a few years. Now, um, that <laughs> promise alone, I didn't mention anybody specifically. And I guess I just want to give myself credit for that because it's equivalent to saying people who came to my page after that, right? And I'll get into something even more extreme that happened uh, after people just made a ruckus about me threatening to dox somebody. Now, it's like saying, you know, I'm going to kill somebody after this podcast or I'm going to rob somebody after this podcast. If you're not making a threat against anybody specifically, what are you doing? You know, you're like, talking about a hypothetical crime against a non-existent person. I never mentioned any names. I didn't mention any handles or anything like that. Deliberately so, because then it's not any sort of specific threat to anybody. And even using the word dox is also an umbrella term that implies private details that one wouldn't want to get out into the world. Now, uh, I'll give you an example of something that might be a little thought experiment for you. If I had a Reddit profile that was called Fark Marley, right? And then I also had a Twitter profile that was, uh, you know, Fark Marley. And on that Fark Marley Twitter profile, it said, owned by Mark Harley. And then I also had an Instagram page that was Mark Harley. And I had all the details of what I do for a living, where I publicly post about what I do for a living and the things that I do and where I work. And all that information is publicly available online and willingly put there in a social media platform designed to self-promote is discussing those details. If you went on uh, you know, a podcast and said, oh my God, Fark Marley is Mark Harley and he works at the place that he says on his Instagram. Is that doxing? Is that illegal? Is that something that you think is any worse than uh, for example, you know, calling somebody's sponsors on a podcast, uh, sending harassing messages to somebody on Instagram or on Twitter or to their email or, you know, leaving anonymous threats on the voicemail of somebody's mom. All these different things that if you're part of the Fighter and the Kids subreddit and condone those types of activities by continuing to participate in the subreddit, and don't seem to have an issue with it or have never taken a stand against that type of behavior except in the context of saying, don't make it known that you're doing that because the subreddit might get shut down. And then suddenly you care about a, a discussion of giving out details that are already public to the public because you consider that doxing. 
I think you're a hypocrite. And I also think you're naive. And I also think you don't know how language works. And I think if you actually think that I committed a crime by threatening <laughs> to dox somebody, which I didn't, then uh, you know maybe you have some research to do into the law. Maybe you're not an attorney, right? I had somebody claiming they were an attorney. Uh, and this is after this happened, which I'm about to go into. An interesting little thing happened. The mere discussion of somebody who I didn't name by name, or I didn't name by handle, prompted one of the subreddit's top users to delete their own profile. A prolific poster indeed. Now, what would make that poster do that? I don't know. Maybe they had something incriminating in what they posted that they felt like they didn't want exposed or they didn't want to bring any attention to this. Uh, maybe they felt like this was going to be a reference to them and therefore, or maybe they just deleted their profile out of nowhere coincidentally. But in that person's absence, another fake or, or a profile that was potentially fake or potentially the same person, I don't know. But uh, the username was MC Spitfire or Mick Spitfire, but I assume MC Spitfire. They shut down their own account, right? This was one of the top posters on Reddit, on the subreddit. After that, somebody with a different username that referenced MC Spitfire in the username said, this is MC Spitfire. I've shut down my account and erased it completely. Here's a video of me doing that like a screen recording of me shutting down my account. And then furthermore, I just wanted to let everyone know, yes, it's true, Mark Harley has doxed me. And the quote was, uh, he did it on the King and the Sting Patreon pit. I don't even know what that means. There is no Patreon pit. I've never heard that term in my life, so it was news to me to read that uh, and, and see that somebody made up a term to describe the place that I doxed someone, quote unquote. They made reference, this post made reference to people harassing him at work. This people, you know, made reference to difficulties that they've encountered. They made reference to contacting a lawyer to tell me, uh, or to, to say that, uh, you know, I was going to be criminally charged. This person made reference to uh, the case being a slam dunk and telling me that I was totally effed, which I get to laugh at because I go, yeah, that didn't happen. Now, it turns out though, a lot of people on the subreddit seem to be very willing to believe anything without any corroborating evidence. Now, normally you'd say like, oh, cool. What episode was that? Where can I find that? Let's see a screenshot of him writing it. Let's see a screen recording or a video uh, clip of Mark saying the thing that you said he said before I take further action on that. But that doesn't exist because it didn't happen. <laughs> now, that didn't stop hundreds of people from coming to my page and harassing me in the DMs, in the comments, more posts about it, spurring YouTube videos, talking about me, doxing somebody, and I've already done it, and this is gonna be the end of uh, you know, the Thick Boy YouTube channel, it's gonna be the end of my show, it's gonna be the end of the entire Thick Boy empire because Mark doxed somebody, something that didn't happen, right? So, it was very funny and satisfying for me to see them slowly start to realize this, as people, a few people going, oh, wait, wait, wait. So he's saying on his page, because I'd respond to a few people like, you know, I, I didn't do that. Or do you mind telling me where that happened? Because they would come on my page like, you're going to jail. 
you better watch your back in real life, you know, making threats to me about my physical safety in real life, which is, you know, not going to intimidate me because, of course, they're not going to do anything, but uh, if you're if you're concerned about doxing, but then you're going to make threats about something that didn't happen, uh, you know, based on uh, a defamation, right? Because that's what it is. If you're telling me I, Mark Harley committed a crime in real life and uh, I'm getting a lawyer to sue him and he's totally effed. Well, that's not true. And the person posting it knows it's not true because they had no uh, evidence of that, obviously, and made it up out of thin air. But it's very affirming to see that so many hundreds of people on the subreddit, they're willing to believe anything. It's naive. And I think that's a sort of microcosm for how they behave in general. And I guess the, uh, you know, uh, it, it was just funny for me to see them realize this, have the mods have to take it down, back off, and then see some of these conspiracy theories come up. Like, I think Mark wrote the post himself and put it out there so that we'd attack him. It's like, oh, you're thinking way too many steps ahead. Like, if you're bamboozled that easily, you know, and then you're coming up with this elaborate concoctive scheme to make, still make me the villain in this, um, you know, take a step back from the internet. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Think about life. Touch grass, as the Gen Zers say. Because maybe you're just naive and stupid. Just a th something to think about. Maybe you need to look into things and maybe form your own opinions or ask for evidence of the things that people claim are true before you go harassing people on the internet. Just a suggestion. Okay? Can we put that to rest? Casey, do you have anything to add? Nope. <laughs> All right then we can get on to the sickest segment of this episode called A Lot of People Have Been Asking Me. Now, a woman messaged me recently and said, Mark, you're the most handsome uh, fitness influencer I've ever seen in my life. And that's not to take anything away from Casey being the most handsome podcast producer on the internet because those are two separate categories ultimately. Uh, but she said, I'm 5'3 and 245. Same. Yeah, same as Casey. Now, obviously, this person is going to be pretty overweight, but they were saying, you know, I worked with a trainer for, you know, six months or some extended period of time, and they didn't lose a single pound, and they were very upset about this and, you know, felt like they'd been lied to and betrayed and came to me, uh, you know, to see if they could get some tips. And, of course, I want to help somebody like this, especially if you feel like I've been bamboozled, and there are a lot of, you know, frauds in the fitness industry who take advantage of people who uh, don't know any better, you're paying good money. I was talking to somebody recently who was like, this is a common scam these days where somebody would be like, you're getting one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, like former Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates, and then it turns out like, you're really talking to one of their assistants or whatever, and they're giving you super generic programs. It might even be like a bot that's like, you send them something and it's like, good job, keep up the same thing next week. You know, and it's like individual coaching for 3,000 bucks for a few months or whatever it is. You know, unless you're working with Dorian Yates live in person, you're probably not getting anybody but his assistant. But that format and that, uh, you know, that scam has now spread across the fitness industry. So this guy was dealing with like a coach at a major university who uh, was doing sort of the same thing. And he asked like, you know, can I get an email or uh, sorry, can I get an in-person thing? I don't really like this email back and forth. Is it possible to just ask you a question, you know, on the phone for like a minute? And he was like, no, I can't because I'm really busy because the football season's coming up. He's like, that doesn't really make sense. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's June and I'm asking for a minute on the phone. And I'm like, well, you're probably 
getting scammed. And it seems like a good deal because like it's only 600 bucks. And it's like, well, yeah. And he's probably, you know, got 500 people doing the same exact thing. And you're not getting any of that person's one-on-one -on -one time because they are ultimately, they're at the top of the food chain for that university for the athletics program if they're, or, you know, the, the doing anything revolving around the gym. So you're probably not getting that person's one-on-one -on -one actual individual time. But you can come DM me and it will be me because I don't have any assistance running my personal IG account except Casey occasionally going in there and just trolling people like, what's up? You know, like he'll message dudes and stuff like that and be like, you're cute. Like, want to uh, make out? And they're like, what? And then I get on there like, uh, who did, you know, but he'd erased a message already. So it's like. They are cute though. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. Like, Casey I'm not, does I'm it not, in a way where it's like. I'm not sending messages to guys that aren't cute. Yes. Casey will cute not. Ones. What's wrong with that? Yeah. So it's like his, his cover for that is like technically I'm being honest and you agree to it. It's just like, it puts me in a bit of a pickle when I ask these guys to tickle my pickle. So back to the original story. This fat woman, <laughs> <laughs> this woman goes, um, I'm 5'3", 245. I was, I was eating 1,200 calories a day. And I'm like, I don't know how you could actually, I'm like, did you stick to that, right? Because essentially... You're breaking the laws of thermodynamics. You know, me, I'm around 245 and I'm 6'3". That's a full foot taller than this woman. Um, and if I were to eat 1,200 calories a day, I would rapidly lose weight. And she was saying she didn't lose a pound. Um, I'm going through all the checklist. I'm like, have you have your, had your thyroid checked? Because that can be something that actually does significantly slow down your metabolism as opposed to People kind of oh, have a slow metabolism. And it's like, if you haven't gotten that checked and you don't have a thyroid disorder, that's probably not the core issue here. So I'm questioning. I'm going, what are the meals? What are the, like, can you send me the meal plan? And she did. And it seemed about right. It was kind of carb heavy, like a little bit of oatmeal and rice. Maybe the breakfast was just like oatmeal and an apple. And I'm like, where's the protein? So perhaps a little bit light on the protein for some of these meals. But then I get to, you know, day seven and it's like free day. And I'm like, what's a free day? She's like, I can eat whatever I want. And it's like, as long as I don't eat, like as long as I stop eating by 7 p.m. or something like that. And I go, well, here's the thing, okay? When you're trying to create a caloric deficit and you have eating habits that got you up to 245 pounds, the thing is you can easily out-eat that deficit. You know, how many pounds can I gain in a single day of binge eating? several. <laughs> and I don't know how much of that directly translates to fat, but like I could wake up at 240 and go to bed at 250, you know, between water, between eating, you know, I can chug chugged gallons of water before to like, I remember I was right on the heavyweight limit. And like, you know, if you're, if you're not past a certain, if you're not like 220, you can't wrestle at heavyweight or whatever. So it's like, oh shit, I'm 213. I got to chug, you know, seven pounds of water <laughs> before I step on the scale. Um, so you can do that and gain weight and, and, you know, then if you're also eating cheesecake, guess what? Some of that's going to be actual weight that you gain and throw off your, you know, caloric deficit. That's why I tell people to think in terms of a weekly caloric deficit or surplus if you're trying to gain weight. But, you know, it is extremely easy to throw off several pounds of weight loss by one reckless day of binge eating and drinking. So, be mindful of that. If you have gone through your checklist and said, you know what, I'm sticking to the diet. Well, uh, you aren't eating 1,200 calories a day on average if you're taking one day that throws off that average because you ate 10,000. And think about that. Let's take, you know, if you're normally eating, uh, you know, 7,200 calories in a week, um, 
and that's going to create your deficit, you know, could you at that weight eat 7,000 calories in a single day? I know I easily could, and you could too, probably. It's not even that much, uh, you know, to eat an entire day, especially eating high fat, high sugar foods. So the moral of that whole story is <laughs> one of the first things you should check off is a cheat day. Uh, you know, maybe there's a cheat meal, maybe there's a cheat food or something like that that you want to work in, but you have to know those calories too because even on cheat days, you have to be responsible for tracking those calories because if you don't know, then you can't say what's going on, right? You just can't say, oh, I've been in a deficit. You don't know because you can gain it all back really quickly, especially, you know, if your body has a propensity to take that food that you consume and put it in uh, stored body fat, which is going to be true if you uh, are somebody who's 5'3", 245. Sorry, sorry to call you up, but again, this is anonymous. You know, I'm not actually naming anybody's name, so I might be talking about a totally made-up person. How can you fat shame an anonymous, hypothetical individual? Ha, aha, aha. Let's see, why don't we go on to some, because we were so serious just then. Just as far as like, can we do, uh, 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 yes, here. There we go. You knew. Oh, there we go. Juji Mufu. I, I mentioned him before. What he's doing here, it's like, just wake me up in the morning. Let's do a little bit of coffee. Put it in the mug. I'm on the treadmill. Let's throw it on my face. It must not be hot. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe he's throwing hot coffee on his face, and I don't even realize that he's burning his face off, and we haven't seen him post lately because he had to have a facial transplant surgery after his skin melted off due to having... McDonald's level hot coffee poured on his face. There we go. Try this killer leg workout on leg day. Curls, four by eight to 12. Leave. <laughs> that was great. Because it also mocks that pattern. It's like, try this killer workout. And it's like, yeah, that's like the most basic fucking, you know, like, try this killer chest workout. Bench press. Peck deck. Oh, whoa, killer workout. Mm -hmm. Here we go. You know it's never going to get old to me? Guys puking when they deadlift. Just spraying it out. And it's amazing to me that it like... <laughs> this guy's going back and forth. through just <laughs> Puke go back in the mouth and come right back out. It's glorious. But I do kind of enjoy that because it just shows you. It gives you an appreciation for the distance and the volume, right? Dude flexing. She's sleeping with other dudes so am i <laughs> jokes on you sweetie i'm getting dick too oh shit yeah and so this is a guy on a treble right now pulling a 25 pound weight out of his pants and pop 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 and this is where i got inspiration to start training for my haters because i'll run up on you oh not with a gun with weights to beat the brakes off you, dude. For real, dog. What do we got here? Okay, we got this guy doing rope hammer curls. Good, one rep, Look, looking great, man. I, what, oh, he's, he's, he's licking it like it's a penis. And I just think this is why we can't have nice gyms because as I've mentioned before, this kind of debauchery and uh, sexual innuendo doesn't have a place at the gym to me. I'm somebody who's a lifting purist. I think lifting and sexual intercourse should be kept totally separate. 
And I don't even want implied sex acts. I don't want you rubbing up on somebody's butt while they do a squat. I don't want you licking the tricep rope uh, like you're performing fellatio on your partner. I think that's disgusting. I think it's unwarranted. I think that person should have a lifetime ban from not just that gym, but any gym he ever tries to enter into for the rest of his life, okay? And I think if he tries to buy equipment online, they should ban that too. He just shouldn't be allowed to work out, you know? And here's the serious one. Okay, the trainer gets caught on camera being a pervert, and when I stand up for myself, he threatens to call the police and revoke my membership. This is a super viral video going around, and disclaimer, of course, women get harassed at the gym and everywhere, but this is one of those instances where Ooh, you made a mistake uploading this because you don't realize that it makes you look terrible as a woman. A guy across the gym turns around, a trainer there, for about a half second, like goes like this and like looks at her and you just don't know. I mean, I turn over my shoulder and look at myself in the mirror all the time. So you don't know. And whenever people say, like, oh, this person's looking at me, I'm like, I, yeah, I look at people all the time unthinkingly. I look at people I'm attracted to. I look at people I don't give a shit about just because I'm taking in visual information. Maybe you have a cool haircut or something. Maybe I like your shoes. Maybe your butt is eating your shorts. I think a lot of people look at me for that exact same reason. So when I see this, you go, you can't attribute that to somebody looking. And again, you're in a public space. You should assume that people are going to look at you, especially when you're, you know, in a skimpy outfit. Uh, I, it just, it tells me that, <laughs> you know, you're entitled. You need attention. Right? You want to prove to yourself that, you know, women always do this, or some women who, it's a category of women, not all women, but they go, like, oh my God, I can, kind of hitting up. They're acting annoyed, but it's really about telling other people that they were getting attention from men, maybe to compete with other women who get much more attention. They want to be part of the conversation of, like, oh my God, men are so annoying. They're like, always hitting on me. It's such a problem for me. And then they do stuff like this and humiliate themselves on a world scale. Congratulations. Okay, we got something hella psychological here. Now, I'm going to read it off my thing. And this is about somebody with BPD. And I just want to read that real quick because I thought it was an interesting insight. Again, because Amber Heard has BBT, you know, if you run into this in your real life, I just think it's interesting to understand that person's perspective because I also believe that we shouldn't stigmatize, although it's important to recognize when you're dealing with somebody who potentially has a form of mental illness or has a personality disorder, it's very important to recognize those traits as they often correlate with other things and you can you know, predict the problems that you might have with that person or the things that will, you know, that maybe seem like a one-time extreme incident but then might actually long-term form a pattern that could potentially harm you and just, you know, uh, be something that you could prevent by avoiding that person or that situation or dealing with it in a different way. I also think that you should, uh, you know, still have empathy for any person uh, who's acting a certain way because they don't want to act that way and they don't want to feel those things. And, and borderline personality in particular, um, you know, somebody like Amber Heard who maybe has a touch more of the narcissism or sociopathy or something where you're willing to do malicious things on a bigger scale that I would say are very ill-advised. And of course she wants to place that blame on like her lawyers advising her or whatever, but she just seems like long-term, she doesn't have a lot of good reviews. But even that being said, you know, even if she is the worst of the worst, 
And I do think she has borderline, but that shouldn't stigmatize other people with it or prevent us from giving sympathy to uh, uh, people because that experience in and of itself can be very tumultuous and painful. And that's the reason that we see these people, you know, acting out in anger. It's not pleasant to have certain conditions, you know, where you're experiencing uh, a lot of negative emotions all the time. This person messaged me and said, uh, or actually it was a comment, I had BPD. Something snapped in my head when someone used a therapeutic technique on me, a line of questioning to get to the core of an immoral belief I had. I had the idea that if people could conceptualize the pain I was in, things would change. I thought people only care or do things when it gets to the point you get angry or cause a scene. And that was just an accepted belief of mine. I'd also get angry at things very quickly. Blowing up a situation like that kind of worked, but eventually people get sick of it. True. And sick of constantly having you fear their motives or doubt their honesty. When they get numb to your pain and breakdowns, uh, which only makes it worse because you can see it and feel the relationship ending and not be able to do anything about it, right? They, they fear abandonment very much. This is one of the big signs of someone with borderline personality, but they also you know, uh, cause things that would make people want to abandon them and sort of push people to abandon them, but then also fear that. You feel like nobody cares and that you're the worst piece of ish ever. But what made me change was this technique leading to a realization that I was causing suffering to other people so they'd conceptualize my pain. Let me say that again. I was causing suffering to other people so they'd conceptualize my pain. And as you said before, that's an immoral sort of approach to life, right? Because people can conceptualize your pain without you causing them the same pain. Suffering begets suffering and wellness begets wellness has never felt so real. I also had the realization that I was seeking sympathy for my trauma to validate my trauma to everyone who I let close to me so they would know I had pain in my life and it would justify my flaws to that person. But the fact was I was making people suffer and then trying to justify it with the fact I've suffered. That is absolutely evil, I thought. And my mind changed. I also realized that sympathy doesn't get you anywhere. I would agree. And people often with personality disorders, you know, sociopaths, narcissists, psychopaths, uh, you know, BPDs apparently, probably Machiavellians too, uh, they, they use, they weaponize sympathy because it allows you to get certain things and people to not question you. It opens doors, and, but it is manipulative. Anyway, uh, I was on this line about sympathy. <laughs> God damn it. I was making people suffer and then trying to justify it with the fact I've suffered. That is absolutely evil. I thought, and my mind changed. I also realized sympathy doesn't get you anywhere. People can know and conceptualize your pain and things will stay the same. You won't be justified in hurting people and your life won't feel any better either. This happened after my discovery of Jordan Peterson. <laughs> this has all been an advertisement for Jordan Peterson. Get, uh, you know, 12 rules for life right now. It all happened in a flash of memory, images of my past. It seems so simple, but it brought my neuroticism down from 95 to 30 to 40. I have been suffering with suicidal thoughts and eating disorder, self-harm, extreme heated frustration that I felt was too big for my body to handle for 14 years. I was in such pain. Living, with, living was exhausting. I found out what happened to me was memory reconsolidation. I unraveled programming in my mind that elicited a fear response when whatever arbitrary thing triggered me into this downward spiral of emotional turmoil. It literally 
broke synapses in my brain and I felt it. I felt it felt like a snap and then a burst like 10,000 pinballs shooting all over a pinball machine. But they were tingly and cold and a physical pressure felt lifted off of me. As soon as I was done, I said, I think you fixed me and I have been right so far. Going on four years since my self-hate suicidal times that occurred daily. Maybe that's boring. I don't know. It just occurred to me that this is an insight, a really honest insight into somebody's mind who dealt with suffering and a personality disorder and sometimes the act of self-reflection and doing deliberate self-reflection triggered by whatever um, can cause realizations that something you're doing is wrong because you know people don't think of themselves as bad or evil. They justify the behaviors that other people think are evil, bad, immoral, whatever, and they just don't self-reflect or listen to criticism of that. You know, that's why I'm always open to criticism, but be articulate. Don't just say like, Mark is a narcissist, and then list the traits of narcissism. I know I'm a narcissist. I'm just challenging you all to prove it. Ha! Um, but I thought that was an interesting insight because uh, it's easy to make people an other, you know, and forget that even if that person is causing harm or damage or whatever, or stigmatized in some way, they're still a person and they're probably acting out because they're really unhappy. And that's why I have sympathy and empathy for all you guys in the subreddit, <laughs> because obviously you're not happy. And happy people don't harass other people online for sport. But happy people do talk shit sometimes for sport, you know, just for fun, just to be like, oh, what's up, you know, we doing this, we have a little roast battle in the comment section, that's cool. I'll do that. Um, I'm gonna have two quick segments real quick, just in case you're hanging on to go like, when is this ending? Well, it's gonna end right now. The Hell Chef Harley for this week, we're gonna have a battle between McDonald's and Air One, okay? <laughs> ooh. The, ooh, yeah. That's interesting. The battle that everybody's been waiting for. Because that's me every day around <laughs> one o'clock. I'm like, McDonald's or Air One? Yeah. Do I wanna spend $50 or $5? Yeah. <sighs> See, and that's what I'm talking about, because in your mind, or at least in my mind, I go, I'm gonna spend like way more at Air One and way less at McDonald's. But you see, Casey, the funny thing is the way I eat, oh, yeah. <laughs> I get carried away. Dude. I spend 20 bucks or more at McDonald's. Oh, that's 100 at Air One then. Right. But here's the thing. Because it's mostly like, you know, any fast food place you go to, it's not going to be high quality protein, you know, except for certain, maybe Chipotle or whatever. Like you can kind of like increase the protein a lot. Um, but the other day, I got a Big Mac. I got a spicy chicken sandwich. I'm just—I'm going to admit what I got. Okay, Ooh. you can have an insight in my mind as far as what I do when I go to McDonald's. Had a Big Mac. Had a uh, spicy deluxe crispy chicken sandwich. Had ten nuggets with the honey mustard, and then I believe on top of that, I just had the two guava and cream pies. That may sound disgusting, but trust me, it was delicious. Now, immediately after finishing all that McDonald's, instant bubble guts. Um, do I feel full, kind of, like not, like you feel more like bloated, but you know, there's like something immediately feels off. I think we've all been there before. It doesn't feel great to eat a bunch of junk like that, but sometimes I just have it in my head and I do it, and I try not to limit that too much. Like, like oh, you can't ever eat McDonald's. I will, but I just try not to make it a habit. Now, the next day I go, okay, because before that decision, I was like, I wanna go to Air One, but I also wanna go to McDonald's, and I kinda wanted to be back for work, so I was like, it's gonna be quicker to go here and here, you know? The next day I go to Air One and get uh, the Korean short ribs, which are delicious. And then two of these sides, you know, you can get like uh, buffalo chicken or buffalo flavored cauliflower. They have these great vegetable sides. You can get like two sides, 
and a protein. So I got the the cream barbecue short ribs and uh, a couple vegetable sides. When you eat that, I realized I was the exact same amount of fullness. And maybe it was like 25 bucks, right? If you just get that one thing, I don't get a drink because the drinks are like ridiculously expensive and you don't get anything on the side. You can keep it to like 25 bucks. And I realized, wait a second, I'm actually full from this. It satiates me more and I don't have instant bubble guts. I guess Erwan's the winner because it was only five bucks more and I feel like, you know, Yesterday, I would have paid five bucks to relieve myself of that bubble guts. So it kind of evens out. Maybe even 10 bucks. I don't know. Some, it, it, I've had $100 bubble guts before. True story. Walking home, you don't have a car, and you're like, I need to knock on somebody's door right now to ask them to destroy their bathroom. Let's just end on there, you know, because again, probably not going to top that sentence of me telling a story when I'm 13 years old, walking back home from the mall and getting mad at my friends as they looked at me because I had to go to the bathroom so bad I was ready to poop on the sidewalk.